I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Lauren Salata, who's the Chief Marketing Officer at Panasonic Corporation of North America. Today on the show, we talk about their new campaign launching for the 2020 Olympics, what that partnership means and how they're going to leverage it both for the marketplace effects as well as with their own employees. We also talk a good bit about um, Lauren's career and her life outside of work in service and foundation work. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lauren Salata. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. It's great to be here today. Well, I'd love to start out. We'll get to Panasonic. I'm looking forward to talking about that and especially the Olympics in particular. But before we go there, I'd like to start off with something I saw on your resume, which is your board service, um, both at organizations like the ARC, which is a nonprofit organization that provides community support for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and then also at the Consumer Technology Association Foundation. So my question is, how do you think about service and the the act of service outside of work? Well, for me personally, it's incredibly important, and I appreciate the opportunity to tell you about it. From a young age, I used to volunteer in the community in various service projects and all through college and then beyond college. And those days, I had a lot more time to actually spend my weekend or uh, evenings 
helping others. In the last uh, probably 10 years or so, with my job responsibilities increasing the way they have, I've really spent more time on, on boards from a fundraising and advocacy perspective, which has been incredibly rewarding. And so I started with the ARC, which is a nonprofit, as you stated, that supports people with intellectual and developmental disabilities with different programming and respite care for their family members, uh, job support and job training. And that is a, an area that is incredibly important right now to people who are able to work, that they have the, the job opportunities and the job supports that they need to be self-sufficient and independent. And then I was asked recently, um, just last year, to be a part of the Consumer Technology Association Foundation Board. And um, it's such a vast organization, and I'm still actually getting up to speed on all the different ways that we support member companies who provide accessible technologies for visual and hearing impaired, as well as uh, some other areas. But it's really been very rewarding to me, and, and as, a, as an executive in technology, has a lot of really good overlap from my day-to-day -day responsibilities as well. Right, right, right. Well, um, let's talk about a little bit about your career. It looked like you had started in the agency world, um, spent some time at places like MCI and Verizon and Xerox before Panasonic. So did you always know you wanted to be a CMO? <laughs> I don't think that was the original uh, plan. I actually wanted to be an architect when I, when I grew up, but I did gravitate towards communication and I did start my career in public relations, both at a nonprofit and, an, and then at an, at an agency, then got hired to the client side, which at the time was MCI Telecom in their enterprise business division. And so I've been very fortunate in that Throughout my career, I've had increasing levels of responsibility and scope and scale. So, you know, started in PR, but also really expanded into advertising and direct marketing and digital and all of the other disciplines um, beyond media. And then once I really was into the first several years of my career, I realized that as a liberal arts undergrad in English, which I still highly encourage people to do, there's still a lot of value in that. It did occur to me that I was responsible for positioning companies, and I, I decided to go back to school part-time to pursue my MBA. So I, it took about six years, but I went to school in the evening and uh, worked full-time and uh, got my MBA uh, from uh, Temple University in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's fantastic. Getting your MBA, whether full-time or part-time, is no joke, and I can only imagine working a full day and then going to school in the evenings, plus juggling just family life, I'm sure, too. Yeah. And this was before online classes, right? It was like right when those started. So you couldn't take your full curriculum um, online. So, But I've always made it a priority you know, in my career to listen and to be a great business partner, even though communications and marketing and branding and digital tend to skew a little bit towards the creative and the human connection side. Um, it's really important that any marketers really understand what the business is trying to accomplish, not just at the brand level, but at the business level, and then both in the short and long term. So I've tried to impart that unique perspective and to be close to the customer with all of the, the teams I've worked with over the years and also challenge myself to really understand um, what it means to walk in the customer's shoes. Lauren, let's talk about Panasonic. I know it's not the company or brand that most people think of. Like I grew up in the 80s, so I had a tape recorder, actually, that was a Panasonic, as well as a 
TV and a VCR. Panasonic is much different, I think, today, especially in the U.S. So can you give us an updated view on what Panasonic is and, and maybe how it's different in the U.S. and North America versus the rest of the world? Absolutely. Panasonic, as you said, is a, is a global brand that has predominantly been in the consumer products business for 100 and what will be 102 years um, next month. Actually, this month, it's March. So what has happened actually over the last almost decade in North America, we've quietly transformed our business into a pretty successful B2B solutions provider and also business to business and business to government. So while we still do have a footprint in some consumer product categories like beauty and grooming, small appliance, the Lumix camera, we have predominantly are actually serving businesses in key industries like manufacturing, automotive, mobility, food retail, avionics, et cetera. And the company has grown quite a bit here, almost by $5 billion, um, while we've become kind of behind the scenes in this B2B um, sort of ingredient brand. And so in North America, we've been really focused on, in addition to some of the industries I've mentioned, um, really powering the last two revolutions in the automotive industry. Um, first with the hybrid automobile with Toyota, and then most recently powering the most successful electric vehicle in history, which is Tesla. And we also are in the intelligent transportation space. So we run the largest intelligent data network in partnership with the departments of transportation in several states here in the U.S., which is enabling state government to deliver better traffic management services to their consumers who are driving on the road. And we were also really the first American manufacturer to design and engineer a commercial refrigeration system charged with a more environmentally friendly propane. So the red thread that runs through all of our solutions is really um, sustainability and contribution to society. And that's really been part of our basic business principles for as long as we've been in existence. So we're still around and we're still a global power, but we're just a little bit more in the background than I think what you've been used to. Um, and myself growing up with um, different things like you described, alarm clocks and pencil sharpeners and, and uh, cassette players. Right, right. Well, it sounds like I may be interacting with Panasonic every day. I just didn't realize yeah, it. <laughs> probably. There you go. <laughs> well, I know we want to talk about the Olympic sponsorship and the campaign that you guys are kicking off with the 2020 Games. But as I was doing a little bit of research, it looked like Panasonic on a global basis has been either a worldwide partner of the Olympics dating back to like 1988. And 32 years is a long commitment. So I was wondering what it is about the Olympics that keeps Panasonic coming back. So we recognize, as Panasonic recognizes, that the Olympic Games stand for unity, social good, and a commitment to excellence that shows the world at its very best. And we proudly support that mission, both through our technologies and our, and our partnership. And it really aligns with our core mission of contribution to society and giving back. We have uh, basic business principles that if you asked any employee anywhere in the world would tell you the same thing. And so we've been a proud Olympic partner for over three decades, as you mentioned. And we've been providing technology for the Olympics since the 1984 Summer Games in Los Angeles and for the Paralympic Games since 1998, the Winter Games in Nagano. And today we are one of only 14 top Olympic sponsors. So if you reflect back on recent games in London, Rio or Pyeongchang, you might recall some of the opening ceremonies and how unbelievably um, immersive they were. They were using our high brightness projectors and projection mapping to create those experiences that became part of the history of the Olympic Games. And as Japan's first official worldwide partner for the Paralympics, we provide audiovisual products and services that uh, support accessibility to everyone. 
so yeah, so those are just some of the ways that that we participate, and we really feel like there's a really strong alignment of our mission and values. What are you planning for the 2020 Olympic partnership? Tell us about your, and I know you want to talk about your digital campaign, What Moves Us, or hashtag What Moves Us. So um, tell us a little bit about it. Absolutely. So at CES uh, 2020, just a month or so ago, we kicked off our new digital campaign, which is hashtag what moves us. And the idea is really when you look at who our current buyers are, and if you look at all the generations that are in the workplace today, and I think to your earlier point, what is Panasonic doing these days? We really, in terms of our brand strategy, took a hard look at awareness levels with with those multiple different generations. And so we created this campaign with the impetus to build a relationship with future generations of buyers that may not have grown up with our products. So in the example that you gave that you grew up in the 80s and were really aware of Panasonic, there's a lot of millennials and Gen Z or who are not getting that experience. And so we put together this idea of what moves us so that we can tell our story. And through our shared purpose, millennials are mission-driven, Gen Z the same. And so as a company that has placed a really high value on that for a really long time, we want to tell our story, whether it's because we want to hire new talent keep our employees excited about being here or selling new solutions that actually contribute to society and create a better world. We wanted to tell all of those stories. So that's where we came up with what moves us and it plays off of our brand platform technologies that move us. And a big part of that kickoff was at CES, we launched just this past January, the first phase of that, which had an Olympic sub-theme. And obviously as an asset as big as a, a top sponsorship with the Olympics, we wanted to capitalize on that. And we were, I think, officially 200 days out from the games when we launched this at CES. And so the first phase is uh, what we call Team Panasonic. And it's made up of the company's 270,000 plus employees worldwide. And today, in addition to world-class athletes who share our passion for doing good, we wanted to highlight some special Olympians like Michael Phelps, who in his retirement has become a philanthropist and really focused on giving back through his foundation. As you know, he's the most decorated Olympian of all time with 28 Olympic medals. And we felt that it would be great to have him as he kind of comes out of his competitive career to really help us represent this idea of passion powered by progress. We also asked Katie Ledecky, who is a five-time Olympic gold medalist, Lex Gillette, who's a four-time Paralympic silver medalist in the long jump and still competing. He's also a motivational speaker. And then we have a Japanese-American Olympic hopeful, Sakura Kokomai, who's a seven-time USA national karate champion who will be competing this summer in Tokyo. So we were very excited to have all of them help us tell our stories. And we gave, uh, I think, in return, them a platform to help them tell their stories about how they're giving back through their various foundation and community efforts. And so we're really excited. That first wave of stories have been in digital channels for, I think, about two or three weeks now. And we will start to roll additional stories all throughout the- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here from various parts of our business. Got it. I love it. And I love the diversity of the athletes that you've selected to and legends, if you will, when you're talking about Michael Phelps, brought together to help you with this. You talked about Team Panasonic with employees, but I've seen big time sponsorships. You know, one that comes to mind is Aon and its sponsorship of Manchester United over the years and, and translating to huge employee motivation and, and a rallying point, if you will. I'm just curious how you're leveraging this. You talked about Team Panasonic, but tell us a little bit more about how employees are getting engaged. Well, absolutely. We launched this campaign because we saw such a strong opportunity to align our brand and our brand promise and who we are as a company with the expectation of these younger decision makers. But that also applies to employees. We have, as part of this digital campaign, hashtag what moves us, we want to demonstrate and showcase Panasonic employees who are inspired to to create, for example, the electric vehicle of the future, one battery at a time, to those employees who are working on renewable energy and people who, who come to Panasonic for the opportunity to work on these incredible technologies that are literally changing the world. There's thousands of employees who volunteer in our communities. We, we, give, uh, we have paid time off programs for employees to volunteer either at the nonprofit of their choice or through orchestrated um, company activities. And this whole thing, really, the, the creative of the campaign seeks to ex expose millennials and Gen Z generations to Panasonic, again, a brand that they might not have grown up with, but certainly a company that's focused on creating a better life and a better world. So just connecting with employee values, customer values about passion, hard work, collaboration, and impact. And so we're at, you know activating with with employees on different levels, giving them a chance to actually be in the advertising. We have additional opportunities for them to meet the athletes. We have social activation uh, competitions and things like that. So lots of ways to kind of keep this internally, something that uh, people get are, are excited about. That's great. And you've talked about this a couple of times now, but uh, you're wanting to, I guess, update your image and, and provide more brand awareness to the younger audience, these younger generations that may not have been as um, interfacing with Panasonic like I was early in early in my childhood. Are there other objectives or aims, if you will, that you're hoping that this campaign overall will help with Panasonic? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we can't forget that quarter to quarter, we still need to generate business for the company. And so the other part of this campaign, you know, we kind of structured it. The strategy was built around this idea of the head and the heart, not necessarily making a deep distinction between B2C and B2B and B2G, because we felt that millennials and Gen Z really are growing up with more of a blurred, blurred lines between work and life. And so we felt that there was a real opportunity to reach them as individuals and really um, just tell our stories. Perhaps this is a destination for them or they might consider working. Of course, are looking at how can we talk to them in their emerging roles as decision makers in big technology, complex technology purchase decisions within their companies, and also really just to change the perception of the company overall. So it kind of blends the both uh, best of 
both sort of a consumer campaign, but also a B2B campaign. So the other piece of it is, you know, the head and the heart. So the heart is all the stuff that we've been talking about, but the head is um, really a thought leadership approach that we're working on in partnership with Harvard Business Review to do some pulse surveys around the future of mobility and the future of food retail, which are two key growth markets for us. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit, because I, I know you mentioned that when we last talked in our prep call. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing as a result from that. And I, I think it hasn't quite been published yet, if I'm correct. Yes, we're we're working on that, just going through the results now. But basically, that we're working with HBR to launch two primary research-driven initiatives. Like I said, one is the future of mobility, and the other is the path of adoption in food retail of new technologies. And it's really in support of our Panasonic North America thought leadership strategy. Our goal is to provide customers and, and prospects value in the form of these reports about key business and technology issues um, with the hopes of helping them solve or rethink think some of their strategic business issues. And so with respect to the food retail industry, which includes quick service restaurants, institutional food services, cold chain refrigeration, et cetera, some of the shifting consumer preferences are definitely a big driver of strategy changes. And disruption specifically continues to be led by artificial intelligence and internet of things. So as those two predominant technologies become integrated more with hardware, that's really where food retail leaders and industry participants are looking to figure out how does it work in their particular business flow. And then um, really relative to transportation, it seems early um, results looks like only one quarter of the companies are really tech forward. And so most of them are followers. And um, most important factors for growth are, are more customer centric solutions and products and services. So, and, you know, of course, electric vehicle and, and all levels of autonomous vehicles are, are certainly a part of that equation. Not so much autonomous personal, but autonomous fleets and ride sharing are really at the top of the list. Right, right. No, it's it's a lot to look forward to as we look, stand here in 2020 and uh, think about the next decade to come. Technology, it's already changed our lives, but I imagine it's going to uh, revolutionize business models going forward too. Absolutely. Yeah, we're seeing quite a bit of that. Well, uh, switching gears a little bit, getting back to the person behind the microphone. <laughs> I love asking this question, you know, has there been an experience of your past that defines or, or makes up who you are today? Wow, there's many of them. You know, in terms of my work life, I think at a young age, I was always ambitious and I always had summer jobs. I liked having the independence that comes with being able to support yourself and things like that. But really, I was so fortunate early in my career to have really impactful mentors that really encouraged me to take risks and embrace change. And so one of the examples of that was being offered an opportunity to actually kind of spin out of marketing comms and brand. And, and kind of move into a service delivery role for a couple of years, which had responsibility also for P&L management. And so I remember thinking, hmm, I don't know, this is like really, you know, outside of my wheelhouse, but I decided to do it because it really gave me a, a much greater appreciation for client delivery, certainly being able to understand a P&L and the mechanics of that. So I, I was really grateful for that opportunity. And then I was grateful that I could kind of spin back into a strategy and BD role and ultimately back into marketing and digital. So that was a really uh, very fortunate opportunity that I had. Yeah, I think P&L management is a, is a um, an early exposure to that is something I've actually heard on a number of interviews. So you hit, hit it on the head, I guess. <laughs> One of the ingredients. I think uh, there's that sort of 
picture that goes around, you know, that the path to success is not a straight line up and to the right. It's kind of up and down and sideways. And I, and I really think there's a lot of truth to that, at least in my own um, career trajectory. Yeah. Well, if you're thinking back and, and trying to advise your younger self, what would you advise that person to do? Definitely to take more risks and, and look at, be open to additional possibilities. I mean, I obviously gave an example where I, I did, in fact, take a risk and, and move into a non-marketing role for a while, but really just looking for ways to take more risks. Um, I've been very fortunate. I did work in companies that, you know, at the time were having, they were sort of distressed either sort of into mergers and acquisitions or bankruptcies. And so those very um, non-steady state business environments gave me a lot of great management experience. And so I don't think I, I sought that, but when you're in it, you really kind of just take the best of, of what you're learning and it has served me well. So you just have to embrace where you are and sometimes it's not a straight line. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. And early on in my career, I was, I was working, um, in what I would classify as a sunset business in the life stage of, of things. And, and I, I agree with you. It does, as you're struggling to, to find or eke out that growth that really is trying to get you back to parity of the last year, but a whole laser focus on on every decision that you're making. And the resources obviously are, are constrained as well, usually in those environments. Absolutely. And I mean, I think too, if you know, I was actually going to give advice, I would say, you know, those are opportunities. Like I think sometimes, you know, it's that analogy of the iceberg. You don't see sort of underneath the water, the, you know, the hard work, the sacrifice, the determination. You just, you know, sometimes people might just assume there's been sort of success out of nowhere. But, you know, you really do have to put the work in finding mentors in non-traditional places, you know, building relationships. And they don't have to be formal, necessarily formal mentorships. You can just build a relationship with somebody in finance so that you can understand as a, you know, marketer, how do they perceive the function? and the discipline and how can you be better informed about the language of the CFO. Finding, you know, understanding and maybe working with engineers more closely to understand and to share with them back, you know, don't just build for technology's sake, but maybe help them with why is that solution important? What outcome can it deliver for a user? All of those types of things. And so you really just have to, and I guess the other last thing I would say is learn to walk in your customer's shoes, as I mentioned earlier. It's so key to understand the other side of the fence and as a marketer, don't limit yourself to being sort of what I would say in the back office, be it on the edges where the customers are. And that could also look like an industry association role. You can volunteer for committees and just really getting into your industry, whatever it may be, and really understanding the players and the policies and the challenges. Well, uh, as a marketer, I'm curious if there's companies or brands that stand out to you or, or you you think other people should take notice of? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I mean, there's so many companies that are doing great work. The ones that immediately come to mind are uh, Salesforce, for example, just cr they've created an amazing community, even beyond their direct customers, right? With their one 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 give back structure. I think Microsoft has been an incredibly powerful in their dedication to accessibility and inclusion of their products. And then, you know, MasterCard, Raja is doing some really innovative things and taking a lot of interesting risks. So I think, you know, depending on how you look at it, I think there's a lot of really amazing work being done. Yeah, no, no, that's good. And uh, Raja's been on the show before. I need to get him on again to talk about this audio branding that's going on lately because it's intriguing what he's doing there. Well, uh, last question for you. Um, what do you feel like is the maybe the largest opportunity or it could be a threat uh, that marketers are facing today? 
I think there's a couple things. I think technology for technology's sake, you know, you have to remember the humanity of what you're doing. You have to remember that technology has to be in service of the business and of and in service of the communication effort. And we're, as marketing leaders, inundated with all kinds of choices about tools and technology. So we try to manage that with a process and, and an approach. But I think you have to be smart on that front. And, you know, in terms of losing sight of the humanity of what you're doing, right? At the end of the day, you want to you wanna come across as relatable and human. Great advice and things to look forward to and focus on. So thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure, Alan. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 